It's the first Prez Monday check-in. We'll have a chat, but not spill tea. Hey, it's the first Prez Monday check-in. We got the Bible and Greg and me. Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another edition of the Monday check-in. This is the uh, first post-Easter edition of the Monday check-in this year. Uh, We didn't have one last week because the office was closed on Monday, and um, we didn't really feel like making it up (laughs) at any point during the week. Uh, I'm Damon Jensen-Heitman. I'm one of the pastors at First Presbyterian Church, Hastings, Nebraska, joined by... Greg Allen Pickett, the other pastor at First Presbyterian Church in Hastings, Nebraska. Glad to be back here with you after a week off, Damon, and uh, glad to be uh, digging in once again to God's Word. It's an exciting week in the life of the church because this is Confirmation Sunday, uh, and we have the incredible blessing of hearing our confirmands share their statements of faith and be added as full members of the church Uh, And I just want all of our listeners to think, what if we asked each of our members to write their own statement of faith and then stand at the pulpit on a Sunday morning and deliver it to the congregation? And uh, when you think about how scary that might be, uh, I hope that increases your admiration and appreciation for our confirmands. So, yeah, uh, we'll probably get into this a little bit more and a little bit later on, but um, we're talking with the confirmands and, you know, they're kind of just trying to find like, what's the right word to put here? Or how do I describe this? And um, at one point, <laughs> one of them asked me, <clears throat> something like, is that right? Is that, is that like, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. Do you think that's right? Uh, if you think that's right, then, then that's what you should put. I said, if you, like, if you got up in the pulpit on a Sunday morning and asked people for a show of hands for anybody here who honestly feels that they have actually figured all of this out, you wouldn't get any hands if people responded honestly. Um, because there's, there's so many questions in the way that we think about things now is different than the way that we thought about things five years ago, uh, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, whatever the case might be. But well, and like mystery is part of our faith. I mean, it's part yeah. of our faith tradition. We name it, we own it. Uh, great is the mystery of faith. Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. We don't have words in our finite human capacity to really describe that in all of its completeness. The same is true with like the Trinity. And I know that the, uh, the kids will part of their statement of faith generally incorporates their understanding of, uh, the, the Trinity. I believe in God, the creator. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's son. I believe in the Holy spirit. And, um, I may have mentioned this before on one of our Monday check-ins, but one of the greatest senses of relief I felt when I was wrestling with my Trinitarian theology was uh, when I found uh, Thomas Aquinas's Summa Theologica, which is a very thick book that St. Thomas Aquinas wrote, where he goes through each aspect, Summa Theologica, the, the sum of all theology at the time that Thomas Aquinas wrote it. And it's written in a really interesting way. It's written in a dialectic process where he presents a question, he argues against the question, for the question, and then presents a resolution. And when he gets to the question of the Trinity, 
he argues against it for it and the resolution is and ultimately this is a mystery that we cannot fully explain and i thought if aquinas can't fully explain in the summa theologica the the doctrine of the trinity then i think i'm okay because i'm no aquinas right i'm okay saying this is a mystery we can't fully understand we can talk about it and we should talk about it. we should seek to understand it we should wrestle with it our whole lives and recognize that the trinity is a complicated mysterious thing that helps us understand god and we can never fully explain it using our finite human capacity and our finite human language even english is limited like i can explain certain theological concepts better in spanish because spanish has words for that that english doesn't and vice versa yeah Mm -hmm. yeah well we've jumped directly into the deep end of the pool this morning and uh Allow me, please, to, to doggy paddle uh, my way back to the more shallow end <laughs> for a little bit. Uh, the, the Monday check-in, for those who don't know, uh, we take a look generally at uh, some of the scriptures that we're going to use for the upcoming worship service. Uh, we talk a little bit about some of the themes that we see in them, some of the themes that uh, maybe we think might be that we might wrestle with, play with, uh, consider, ask God about um, during worship in, in the, on the upcoming Sunday. And then we switch gears after that and do a little bit of uh, life of the church announcements and, and that sort of thing. And we oftentimes begin with a prayer. Uh, which one of us is doing the opening prayer? I can. And we probably okay. should have started with that. Might have been nah, good to ask nah, for God's Holy Spirit before we jumped into the deep end of the pool. That's fine. All right, let's uh, let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for this opportunity uh, to get together and to reflect on your holy word and the call that it places on our lives. Thank you for the divine mystery, which is you, God. And thank you for uh, helping us throughout our lives approach that divine mystery and seek to understand it more. We have a faith that is always seeking understanding, and we recognize that we are reformed and always reforming according to your holy word. And so may our conversation today be enlightening and enlivening and joyful, and may we dig into your word and uh, reflect on what it means for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. While Greg uh, unplugs his phone. Uh, we'll go ahead and start the one of the one of the scripture readings. This coming Sunday is we are, is Confirmation Sunday. We hope to be confirming uh, some new members uh, of the church, some eighth graders that have been working all year on studying the faith, considering the faith, that sort of thing. And uh, we have a couple of scripture readings to go along with that. The first comes from uh, the book of the Acts of the Apostles, and it's a, a story that's going to be pretty familiar to folks. Uh, involves a gentleman by the name of Saul, at least for a little while, uh, until he gets a new name uh, by the name of Paul. Now, some people are going to call this a conversion story. Some people are going to say, oh, it's not. It's a, it's a paradigm shift uh for Saul and maybe but you know we can we can haggle over those words whenever we want. So uh this comes from Acts chapter nine. Meanwhile Saul 
still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and you'll be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless because they heard the voice but saw no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. For three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he answered, here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, get up and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas Look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment, he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. But here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, go. For he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on your way here, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, Something like scales fell from his eyes and his sight was restored. Then he got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. For several days, he was with the disciples in Damascus. And immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogues saying, he is the son of God. And that's where that story ends. Uh, and then we have a, little, a few opening verses of the book of Romans, uh, which was a letter written by uh, Saul slash Paul, uh, uh, you know, presumably after his paradigm shift or conversion experience. Uh, he writes the, to those gathered in Rome. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, the gospel concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be son of God, with power according to the spirit of holiness by resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship, to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for the sake of his name, including yourselves, who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all God's beloved in Rome who are called to be saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's where that uh, reading ends as well. Greg, what's, what's going on? All right. 
See, now you have me rethinking. I've always called this Paul's conversion, but uh, <laughs> now you're calling it Paul's paradigm shift. And I, I'm, I think you might be onto something there, but um, actually tying back into your sermon on Sunday, how throughout our life, our understanding of our faith and our understanding of God shifts. And so Paul starts this passage in Acts as a religious leader um, who threats and murders Christians. Still and- breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. And he goes to the high priest and asks for letters to go to the synagogues in Damascus so that he can gather up more Christians and bring them bound back to Jerusalem. And Paul really believes in his heart of hearts he's being faithful here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, And God changes his understanding of what it means to be faithful in this moment. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Paul's belief is that these followers of the way um, they weren't uh, referred to as Christians yet. They were uh, followers of the way. Were uh, were heretics. Um, yeah, and yeah. So, yeah. There's an interesting. I, this is a this is a bit of a sidetrack, but uh, there's this interesting thing with breath happening here that uh, he's breathing threats and murder and you know in the gospel. Uh, in the gospel of John and the resurrected Jesus shows up and breathes on the disciples. Um, it's just this, this idea that the, the breath kind of contains the core of, of who a person is in, in some way. Like the, we got you know, breath of God, God breathes life um, into the mud creatures as well. But that was just, that's a side, a side note. <laughs> Yes, it is a side note, (laughs) a thoughtful one. (laughs) Um, Thinking about this scripture, though, in in light of uh, the act of confirmation that will occur, um, the good news is uh, hopefully, and Damon's been teaching confirmation this year, we haven't had any paradigm shifts that were quite this uh, violent of uh, our kids getting knocked to the ground and hearing the voice of Jesus coming out of the heavens saying, knock it off. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then losing their sight and not being able to eat or drink for three days. So that's, uh, instead, we've we've had these confirmants commit to nine months of study and prayer and fellowship uh, to really think about what their faith means to them. And so um, a little bit different from Paul's paradigm shift, our, our students over the course of the last nine months have uh, had had a paradigm shift or at least had a deeper understanding of their faith that they've come to acknowledge and will acknowledge publicly. Um, but then the, the second half of this story after Paul has this, this experience is the, the role of Ananias. Um, and the fact that um, we all need people in our lives who are helping us on the faith journey. And uh, Damon, before we started recording, had pointed this out, that he likes this, this detail of the story. And I really, that really resonates with me too. And, and I think also resonates with our confirmands that um, Paul will go on to become the greatest missionary the church has ever known, but there have been people all along the way that have helped him on that journey, right? First, it's, it's, it's the men who were traveling with him who stood speechless, and then they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. Without those men, Paul could have stayed blind and struck down on the side of the road and never made it to Damascus. Um, And then without Ananias, 
Paul uh, would not necessarily have had his sight restored and been able to become this great missionary. And so each step of the way, people have helped Paul in his faith journey in the same way. I think we'll see that with our confirmands, that their confirmation sponsors and their families and their church family have all helped them in that faith journey as, uh, as Paul experienced as well. Yeah, it reminds me of, um, it must be in Acts, the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. There's a, a, a eunuch traveling, I don't know, from somewhere to somewhere else. <laughs> and God says to Philip, I, you should run up to that guy's chariot. <laughs> and he does and, and discovers this eunuch is reading, I think, from Isaiah. Uh, he's reading Jewish scripture, uh, which you wouldn't expect uh, a eunuch to be reading because uh, he's from Africa. Eth- he's from Ethiopia. Um, and, and, uh, and Philip asked him, like, what are you reading or do you understand what you're reading? And he says, well, how can I without a teacher? Like, I, I need someone to help me to understand the scripture. Right. And, um, you know, you were talking, we were talking about like the mystery of the Trinity, for example, and how do we, what, what is this? this is, it's one person in three parts. It's, it's different aspects of the same thing. Like what is, what is going on? I thought that Jesus and Jesus and God are the same, but they're different. And the Holy spirit is something also um and the the importance of having other folks to have those conversations with and to bounce metaphors off of well do you think it's like this uh i think it's kind of like that and i think it's like this also and um yeah that we few if any of us come to faith in a vacuum right that there's, I think, always some sort of relational component, some sort of mentoring component, some fellowship component to it as well. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that this story of, of Paul's conversion or paradigm shift is, is full of, of people who help him along the way. Um, mm-hmm. And and I appreciate even Ananias, like, wait, God, you want me to do what now? We know about this guy. He came here specifically to persecute people like me. You want me to go in? Like, he wants to bind me. He wants to tie me up, drag me back to Jerusalem and put me on trial. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I, I appreciate Ananias' skepticism. Yeah. Uh, right? Was, but, yeah. But then the Lord answers, go, for he's an instrument I've chosen, and I myself will show how much he'll suffer. And and then and so you've got skepticism followed by obedience, right? So Ananias went and entered the house and he laid his hands on Saul. Saul had an easier go at it than the blind man that Jesus healed, uh, because he, sure. there was no spit and mud to rub on the eyes there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that um <clears throat> this is uh, this is Jesus talking to Ananias in a dream, I think. Um, well, this is a weird Trinitarian thing. It's it, the Lord. It's the Lord, right? So it's mm-hmm. it, Jesus spoke to Saul. The, the scripture, the passage specifically says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? 
And the reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And then when we get to Ananias, it doesn't invoke Jesus' name specifically. So it's it's the Trinitarian Godhead that is speaking yeah. to Ananias, which would include Jesus. But it says the Lord again. Yeah. The Lord said that, which maybe, you, oh, this is probably the same Lord that we heard from earlier in the story. But but there is some there is some mystery there. Ananias replies, uh, here I am, Lord, which is a very prophetic response that, that that's a scriptural echo that we might uh, want to be aware of. <laughs> and I like this. Um, at this moment, he, meaning Saul, is praying and he's had a, he, and, you know, he's already seen a vision of a man named Ananias come in and late and well your name is ananias so like <laughs> we're kind of locked in at this point it's got to be an ananias who shows up and uh so uh, we only got so many options here buddy it's kind it's kind of got to be you could could it be that the voice of the lord also appeared to the other guys named ananias in damascus but this was the ananias who said yes could be there were others who were less obedient i don't know how common of a name ananias was in uh first century uh syria but uh, <laughs> yeah i just i like that so well we we we, we maybe put the cart a little bit before the horse here uh so we we need we need an sure ananias. Hoping you say yes ananias because uh, <laughs> Paul's already been, yeah, a little foreshadowing there. <laughs> we don't want to have to give him another dream. It's like, okay, actually, it's Ananias, but he goes by Steve. Yeah. <laughs> or perhaps in the next dream, God would be a little less specific on the name. <laughs> Someone will appear to you, lay hands That'll on be. you, and restore your sight. Because we couldn't get Ananias. He was busy or not obedient. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we, <laughs> this... Um, I, I suggested including this this reading from Romans um, because it it contains elements of a statement of faith, uh, which Paul often includes at the start of his letters. Uh, there's kind of this, I've been sent by, you know, I was sent to you by Jesus, and and here's here's kind of who I think that Jesus is, right. Um, and and that's that's what we've have been asking confirmation students to do uh, in particular over the last couple of weeks is to create a statement of faith. Uh, you mentioned this earlier, and that uh, what do you think of how do you think of Jesus? How do you think of God? How do you think of the church? Um, what do you think that God? what do you think of discipleship? What does it mean? Um, you know, and then there's part, you know, verse seven, uh, to all God's beloved in Rome who are called to be saints, right? That that's, that's, a, that could be an element of a statement of faith. Like what does God call people to do? God calls them to be saints. You could ask, what does that mean? But <laughs> at any rate. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's a beautiful opening to a lot of Paul's introductions to his letters and his closings are meaningful and they show a great deal of affection for um, the people that he's writing to, which I appreciate. And I think that affection to the church is also part of what our faith is about. Right. Uh, we gather as the church 
and we consider ourselves a family of faith and we are called to, to love each other and to support each other in our faith journeys. And that's what Paul's doing as he writes these letters to these different churches. Um, but yeah, he does a good job of breaking down, if you will, the, um, the theology of Christ. Uh, what are the words we say about Christ, right? The gospel concerning his son, descended from David, according to the flesh, declared to be the son of God, with power according to the spirit of holiness, by resurrection from the dead, and Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith amongst all people, including yourselves, who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. It's, it's a beautiful opening to a letter and, and a beautiful statement of faith. What, it, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? Um, and who is this Jesus that we follow? So, yeah. Yeah, I think it's also a reminder, I would imagine serves as a reminder to the people in Rome of, of the teachings that Paul left with them. You know, there's this kind of like, remember when I was there, we talked about Jesus being a descendant of David, we talked about it being declared through the scriptures and, <clears throat> and all that sort of stuff, which is part of the reason why, I mean, we read an affirmation of faith in, in every worship service. And sometimes it's the apostles creed, but sometimes it's uh, you seem to have some sort of like hidden collection of these things that you keep <laughs> <laughs> pulling little, little sections of some of them are from uh, the United church of Canada. And some of them are from the, some secret Presbyterian source book. <laughs> But all of them are kind of, um, they're invitations, right? For us to kind of remember, oh, what are the core things of this faith? Okay. These are the core things uh, of, this, of this faith that we proclaim. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Oh, no, no. I, I, so what you can expect on Sunday uh, will be, us reading these scriptures as we normally do. And, and I'll provide a, just a very brief uh, perhaps reflection on the scriptures and an introduction to the, to the confirmands reading their statements of faith and the core message will be us hearing from those confirmands. And again, I would just encourage you to think about uh, the courage that it takes uh, as well as the faith that it takes for these, these, these young people to write their statement of faith and then to, to boldly stand in front of the whole church and read it out loud. And um, so, yeah, it'll be a good Sunday. It's, it's always one of my favorite Sundays of the year. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah. And it's been really nice. <clears throat> Excuse me. The last couple of weeks, um, really seeing the, the mentors dive into working with the compromands on these statements of faith. It's um and of course, and of course, inevitably, a compromand shares something, and and then that triggers an idea in your own head of, oh, yeah, I'd never thought of it that way, but yeah, that makes sense, and yeah, and all that sort of stuff. So, I really like what you just said there, Damon, and I just just want to point out, um, and what I what I sometimes refer to it as is, is, is mutual mentoring, right? And yeah. so the compromands have these mentors that walk with them through the year. Uh, but what I love about our confirmands as well as about um, the goofy guy who teaches confirmation class um, 
is the humility to recognize that they're also learning from their mentees. Uh, Damon, you have a communion liturgy that you like to use, um, and you used it on Sunday morning at the 8.30 service, where you talk about, um, we give thanks for the, the faith of our forebears and, and the things that they have taught us down the line and and then something along and how that knowledge comes right back up the line too and i'm not quoting that perfectly but um i appreciate the acknowledgement of and the reminder that there is a, a mutuality happening here and, and a humility to say that the the perhaps the the wiser people the people with a few more years experience have something to learn from the young folks as much as the young folks have something to learn from the wise for those from those with a few more years experience right yeah, no, yeah, for sure. So uh, people will <clears throat> discover who the confirmands are on Sunday and uh, who the mentors uh, have been on Sunday. And But I want to mention specifically Steph Brader, who is not a mentor, but she taught the class for the first semester. I'm trying to remember when she... She taught through December, I think. Did she? I think so. Yeah. Um, but I think so. She taught confirmation class for the first um, half of the year and, um, and did a really good job, as you would expect. <laughs> uh, and as she had done for the previous year or two that she taught the confirmation. I I think that fell into her. I think she taught confirmation for four or five years at least. That, okay. So, <clears throat> yeah. And I kind of feel as though I'm kind of just starting to figure it out. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah. So, it'll be good. I mean, I've taught confirmation before uh, at, a, at a previous congregation. But this is a different different book. Um, yeah, I feel like I'm just kind of, oh, this is how this is supposed to work. <laughs> I kind of get it now. So, so it'll be good. It'll be, it'll be a nice, nice Sunday. So should we change well, should we, gears? Yeah. Let's talk about what's going on in the life of the church. And, and we continue in our uh, two worship service format. We have an 830 service, which is a more contemplative Taze style of worship, which we're holding in the chapel. Uh, and that also includes communion every week. And so if uh, that's more your style, we invite you to join us for that service at 8.30. And then our 10.30 traditional service, uh, as we've mentioned a few times this Sunday, is Confirmation Sunday. It's also a communion Sunday. We will take communion. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, I think our chancel choir is singing as well. So uh, we hope you can join us on Sunday, either in person or if not, uh, via our live stream. And uh, it's going to be a great Day. Uh, Sunday also we have a, a education hour um, and we provide Christian education for pre-K all the way through to adults. What's uh, what's going on with that, Damon? Well, I can tell you that the forum, which is the <clears throat> we oftentimes think of it as a as an adult class, but it wouldn't necessarily have to be, I, I guess. I don't know. Uh, so Dr. Dorothy Dean who is a religion professor at Hastings College, has started a three-part forum series <clears throat> taking a look at the intersection between 
ecology and theology or eco-theology. Um, and so she led a session this past Sunday, uh, taking a look at sort of <clears throat> um, eco-feminism and taking a look at the sort of historic ways that human beings have understood the natural world and related to the natural world and, and, and sort of asking like, are there other ways that we can, that we can take a look at this relationship between these, between these two things uh, or these things that we perceive as being two different things, but that's, that's probably part of the conversation. <laughs> um, and, and so that has been recorded um, <clears throat> processing the video. We'll get it up on YouTube soon. And she has two more sessions. So this coming Sunday, I think is taking a look at uh, animals and theology. So how do we understand animals uh, through a theological lens, uh, through scripture, through church, uh, you know, historic interpretation, um, those sorts of things as well. So, uh, so that's this coming Sunday, nine fifteen in the Lydia room. All right, uh, and of course we have another adult ed opportunity, which we call Heirs of Parent. It's a group that meets and does a Bible study. Uh, they're in the middle of a study that was written by Adam, Adam Hamilton, who's a pastor out of uh, Methodist Church in Kansas City. Writes some good curriculum. So that's going on as well. So lots of great opportunities on Sunday morning to exercise our minds and um, hope you can join us for those. Uh, we're continuing with our Wednesday night programming as well, uh, Wednesday night live. We've got programming uh, a Bible study and rec time for kids that start at four o'clock. That's uh, kindergarten through fifth grade. And they roll into a meal that starts at six o'clock. We invite our middle school and high school kids to join them for that meal. And then following that, we have youth group and uh youth choir and youth bells but it's uh it's a good good opportunity on wednesdays um and really anyone's welcome to come down and, and eat with us on wednesday night so if uh, if you're hungry on wednesday night and don't want to make dinner come down and sit at a table with a bunch of really wonderful insightful fun energetic kids it's uh it's a delight to be there on wednesday nights so yeah. um yeah and that that will be running for a few more weeks and then we'll wind down our programmatic here but uh that doesn't mean that the church uh, winds down. We've got some really exciting things on tap for uh, this summer as well. So stay tuned for that. Yeah. Excuse me. Should be good. Is it closing prayer time? I think it is. Okay. Loving and gracious God, thank you for offering to us all of your gifts, your gift of scripture, the gift of your son, Jesus, the Christ of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of fellowship, the gift of this great cloud of witnesses that we are a part of. Thank you for all of the ways that you reach out to us, attempt to teach us, to show us, to lure us, to call us, despite our limited natures. Thank you, God, for all of the ways that your wisdom has been revealed, all of the ways that we have been supported, that we have been challenged and nurtured to grow in you. In your gracious and loving name, we pray. Amen. Amen.
With all those things then said and done, until next time, toodaloo.